Welcome to Lessons in Life and Love with Rihanna Milne, where we show you how to have the positive mindset for success in all life areas so you can grow beyond difficult transitions and evolve from those challenging moments that may have influenced your past but will not define your future. It's time to have the life you desire and the love you deserve as we teach you the exact skills needed to attract and keep a lasting, emotionally healthy and conscious relationship. Now, please welcome your host, certified life dating and relationship coach, trauma professional, and best-selling author, Rihanna Milne. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 37th show of the Lessons in Life and Love live radio show, airing Monday nights from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. I am your host and coach, Rihanna Milne, coming to you live on the BBM Global Network. You can now find the show on iHeart, iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, TuneIn, and many more out there. And of course, the edited podcast version is on my website, LessonsInLifeAndLove.com. May 20th will be my last live show. And then I will come out with season two in the podcast version. So I'm not going anywhere. We're just switching platforms and the format a little bit. You're going to love the new format. I'll tell you all about it next week. I am on a mad mission to change the way the world loves. I'll be talking to you all about how to have emotionally healthy, evolved, and conscious love and how to avoid toxic, painful, traumatic relationships, which do seem too prevalent today. I'm all about helping you transform your life in all areas into one you're passionate about and to also attract and have the love that you deserve. Today's show is being brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audio book with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash Rihanna and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a free title and start listening today. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash Rihanna. Let's dive in, love angels and transformers. Our show tonight is about should you go or should you stay? Trying to end that toxic cycle for couples, right? And I'll also be going over the five love languages, which Arthur Gary Chapman says could stop toxic dysfunction in your life. So let's find out all about that. And this information is great for whether you're a woman, man, younger, older, straight, or LGBT. This information is for everyone. And if you have a personal concern, I do invite you to meet with me for a life and love discovery session at my website, rihannamilne.com. Because we're ending down the shows, I'll be giving you some other free resources. Let me knock that out because I'm all about education and helping you find emotionally healthy loves. The free ebook is at havetheloveyoudeserve.com and that goes into childhood trauma and the childhood trauma checklist that I talk about so much. So that's at havetheloveyoudeserve.com. I am on Alexa on the daily lessons in life and love. You can go under skills, the lifestyle section, or just put the search in daily lessons in life and love. And I don't know if you have already downloaded, but I have a new free app out. It's at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Rihanna Milne app. 
That's pretty easy to remember. So it's bit.ly forward slash Rihanna Milne app. And I'll go over some other free items for you. But let's start off tonight's show with a inspiring lesson from the book, Always Believe in Yourselves and Your Dreams, which is a Blue Mountain Arts collection. And this reading is from Jody Ernst, E-R-N-S-T. It's called Make Choices That Are Right For You. Remember that no one can ever make your choices for you. What you do with your life is your own choice. How you decide to live your life and achieve your goals is up to you and no one but you. Those who may at first disagree will in time be happy for you too. Then you will come to see that the choices you make are right if you make them for yourself. Susan Polish Schultz added under that, it is so important to choose your own lifestyle and not let others choose it for you. It's about following your heart, right? And doing what you feel is right and living your life because you've only got one of them and you want to make it a good one, living the life that you desire reaching your goals and dreams. Tonight, again, we're going to cover Should I Go or Stay? Stopping the Cycle of Dysfunction, Signs of a Dying Relationship, Stages of a Broken Relationship, Processing the Pros and Cons, Whether You Should Leave, and then going over the list of whether you should stay. Healing Time and Forgiveness. And this is all from my number one bestseller, Love Beyond Your Dreams, Break Free of Toxic Relationships to Have the Love You Deserve. You can find that on Amazon, of course, with its sister book, which is Live Beyond Your Dreams, From Fear and Doubt to Personal Power, Purpose, and Success. They are both rated five stars. There are free chapter downloads on my website, rihannamilne.com. Just scroll down the homepage and you'll find them. Just sign up for them. And it's about 50 or 60 pages per book that come down to you. Gives you a really good idea what's in their book. This is a 400 page, juicy, no nonsense, telling you like you need to hear it kind of book. It's a book that I created at the stage of my life where I needed answers. I read over 300 books to do research and the biography is in the back of the book. Some fabulous resources were cut in here. But tonight we are reading from section two, which is Stop the Cycle of Dysfunction. Tim Hansel has a quote here that I really like. Pain is inevitable. Misery is optional. Love that. Yes, it is optional whether you choose to stay or go. And some people are really stuck in that cycle of not being able to make a decision. This perhaps may help you if you're in that should you go or should you stay cycle. Love means different things to different people. A man wants respect and appreciation to feel loved. This is what I find above all else when couples come to me in the therapy or coaching session. It's important that you understand that a man doesn't love or communicate in the same way that a woman does. And a woman should not expect a man to make her happy. She has to love herself and take responsibility for her own happiness. You know, you hear a lot. Someone says, well, they don't make me happy, right? You have to make yourself happy. You have to create that life that you love. Remember the balance triangles that I talk about is equilateral sides, you, me, and us. 
right? You have to invest time in your education and your growth and your learning, a sport, a hobby, taking on something new, watching documentaries. You want to be an exciting partner, always have something to say and talk about with your partner and offer yourself as a fun, energetic partner that you have lots to talk about and lots to say, right? So that you're making yourself happy and you can share what you've learned with your partner. When fighting or stonewalling becomes a common occurrence in your relationship and sexual intimacy becomes infrequent, this is when you know the relationship is on the fault lines. This is what we call signs of a dying relationship. Here are some of the things to watch out for. One, he fails to call when he says he will. He's late without calling if you're dating and you haven't heard from them in days or weeks. You know that if you're dating, that's not a good sign. Two, stupid fights occur too often or he becomes critical of what you wear or do and he nitpicks at everything. Three, he's dieting to lose weight. He's working out more, has bought new clothes or is suddenly wearing cologne. These are signs that there's probably someone on the side. And you got to ask yourself, why the hell didn't he do these things for me? Maybe we wouldn't be in trouble, right? I mean, I, I had a guy say to me once, well, Rihanna, we're married now. Why do we have to keep dating? And I said, well, do you want to keep having sex? And he looks kind of stunned at my response. Yes, a woman needs you to appeal to her five senses, look good, smell good, be a great partner, have energy, have something to talk about. You have to appeal to the woman's five senses. I've talked about this in the show about sex. If you haven't heard it, go back to my archives at lessonsinlifeandlove.com. I offer a lot of different topics. Remember, a man can have sex almost any time. The sexual center of the brain is nine times that of the females. The man is almost ready to go at any time. A woman's five senses have to be ignited. Sight, sound, taste, she smells, she's feeling happy, she's out of the house, away from her to-do list, away from chores, away from the kids. This is when she can relax and get into her full sensual self. If you stop dating, you're in trouble. I advise at least twice a week, one something more casual, one a little bit more dressier on the weekend. Look great for her, work out, look good, stay fit. If you want her to stay fit, you gotta do the same. Okay, another sign is he stops coming on to you sexually. There's been no sex for a week or more. He seems distant and disconnected when you have sex. When I do my shows, if you're new, I always speak from a woman's point of view. Sorry, guys, but the information just just flip-flop it. The reason is the information is the same for everyone, but it just makes the show go smoother. It's like when I write a book, you know, I'm advised from my publisher to write towards a female sex because why females read more self-help? books. I'm not sure if I have more men or women listening to the show. I know I have both because I have comments from both on uh, my iTunes channel, but that's why I'm speaking towards women. But guys, please understand it does appeal to you as equally. And I'm not trying to exclude you out. So if your woman seems distant and disconnected when you have sex, something is wrong, right? Same thing. Okay. When you realize that you're in a roller coaster relationship, you must make a decision to either stay or leave. If you're strong and financially secure,
or woman with a great support system, great friends, great family support, and you may have decided that you've had enough emotional confusion or abuse and you're ready to cut your losses knowing that you deserve better. Many other women decide, though, to stay trying to hang in there while convincing themselves it's not so bad or making other excuses while choosing to ignore their partner's poor behavior or deceptions. One or two things can occur. You leave the relationship and you experience an incredible sense of calm and peace of mind and relief from the stress. You know, I remember when I left a toxic relationship, it was like a ton of bricks had been lifted off my shoulders and I felt so peaceful. And I'm a very peaceful person. I meditate every day. I'm spiritually based. I have no cheap drama in my life and I love it that way. So if someone's causing a lot of negativity and cheap drama around my presence, it would be very hard for me to stay in that company, right? I mean, initially, if you're really in love, you're going to miss the good times. You're going to feel initially lonely because you're used to that companion. And you realize there simply weren't enough of those great times, though, to make up for all the dysfunction that you had to deal with. That's usually when somebody ends a marriage. Nobody enters into a marriage wanting to break it up. It just doesn't happen that way. You're going in with a lot of hope. You keep trying, you keep trying, keep trying to talk things through. But if one person is trying all the time and the other one checks out, it becomes very dysfunctional or there's an active addiction or a porn addiction, whatever it is, where there's lack of respect, then that's only going to be a matter of time for that strong, confident female. It's like, I'm not putting up with this. So you're taking active steps to heal as you realize that person may never have been able to fulfill your relationship expectations. When you're emotionally healthy, you're looking for the same and you can't change someone, but you can change your circumstance. Always keep that in mind. Or the second option, you choose to stay and use every rationalization as to why you should. Unfortunately, you live with a constant state of anxiety. You never quite feel that you're getting the happiness that you deserve or equal dedication and effort from your partner. Thinking honestly, you probably just saw very red flag signs when dating, but maybe lust blindness got in the way and you kept dismissing, it'll change or it will get better or he'll just love me so much he'll stop the dysfunction or stop drinking so much. And that usually doesn't happen after the marriage. These things get worse. So the great feeling of falling in love made you ignore these red flags. You need to get honest with yourself and see a relationship coach to discuss your options. If he knows you're serious enough to contact a couples coach, he may decide to join you to help improve his part of the relationship. If he does not join you, I have worked with a lot of women in marriages or in exclusive relationships that want to make it work and their changes themselves help change the relationship. Either that happens or the other, she gets so emotionally healthy, she's there, oh my God, why'd I say so long? And she's out. If you experience consistent negative emotions of anger, resentment, sadness, frustration, negativity, and feel upset on a recurring basis, your emotional requirements and core needs are not being met. These are signs that this is terribly broken and you've got to do something to change it. There are stages of a broken relationship which occur over time. The first one is disillusionment because the first stage where one or both partners realize that the romantic image of the other and the relationship and the future that they envisioned are never going to happen. It's not going to happen. Very often this is when people seek coaching. 
it's important we establish what the personal needs and desires are of each partner and what is their expectations of a good relationship. What does that definition look like to them? And we go through that and we try to rebuild it based on who they are today. I mean, at 20, they're going to feel different than 30, right? And after times together, if they find that their dreams and their vision of what a relationship is, is horribly different from what they have, we have to see if the other person feels the same and then start putting it back together. The second stage is erosion. This is where a partner represses their feelings, wants, needs, and desires, which leads to anger, hurt, and resentment, which then leads to a toxic relationship. Subtle emotional abuse cues may start during these stages, verbal put-downs or emotional distancing. Partners may seek attention elsewhere, feeling they deserve to be happy. It's still not too late to work on negative feelings and conflicts if there are two willing partners who want to save and renew the relationship. If the couple fails to do this and the relationship can really start to spiral towards the stage of detachment, which is a third stage. So detachment is when one or both parties demonstrate apathetic behavior. They're just starting to check out. They don't care anymore. They develop their own personal agenda, make a new independent life for themselves. And it's a critical absence of emotion towards the other partner and sex is just rarely desired. I've had couples come in, they say, well, we haven't had sex in six months. I'm like, well, what took you so long to get in here? I usually say the sex is last to go. Everything else erodes. And then when the sex stops, that's a major problem. The relationship enters this stage. It's very hard to renew the sexual chemistry and the love that the couple once shared. But I have done it. If they're both with me, it's great. I've even, like I said, I have two women right in my mind where I worked with them individually and they got so strong. They went back and said, I'm not happy. I want a divorce. This relationship is not working. Then the husband knows they're serious and they call me and say, I think I want to join you for sessions. It's like, welcome aboard. I've been waiting for your call. Okay. Stage four is physical separation. And this is the most traumatic stage due to the loss or the death of the relationship. And when that happens, usually the hopes and the plans of your idealized future together is gone. It helps to remember the good times and to thank your partner for the many valued memories that were shared in order to begin the healing process. You need to write down somewhere negative aspects of the relationship that you want to fix and hopefully they feel the same. And if not, and the relationship breaks up, you want to see that in black and white so it does not reoccur in the future. You have to make sure that lust blindness from the beginning of the relationship isn't what's making you fall in love with someone. You have to look at everything else. Can they be a good friend? Do you laugh and joke around together? Is there good energy? Do you respect them? Do you value their work ethic? Who they are as an individual, who they are to strangers and their family? Do they have a great love relationship with their children, right? With their friends? Who are they as a person? That's what you need to see. Not that you just think they're hot or they're cute. There's so much more you got to look at before you make a commitment. When you do break up, if you're in lust blindness, the feelings of overwhelming sadness and the shattering of your relationship expectations are part of the bereavement process. That takes a while. Many people come to me who are love addicted. They're so used to counting on their partner being there. And then when there's that emptiness, it's like withdrawing from cocaine. The same centers of the brain are affected. So there is definitely 
a period of mourning and withdrawal. At this time, it's really important you stay close with your friends, your family. You might want to take a trip with a buddy. Just do things that you take up a hobby, learn a new sport, just busy yourself. Take on a new project at work. Work can be good therapy as long as you don't become a workaholic. This is a time to focus on you. And you have to continue to fight unconscious urges and deep-rooted negative relationship patterns that result from childhood wounds and take the time to overcome. It's very tempting to want to go back to your partner and not want to start new. You're afraid to get back out there. So this is a perfect time to hire someone like me, a certified life and love coach who will help you. And especially if you've been traumatized in your relationship or in your childhood, you are probably choosing from those childhood wounds. So, you know, I am a certified clinical trauma professional. That's why I wear the three hats of the psychotherapist, the trauma professional, and the coach to help you heal. Make sure you're not choosing someone from unconscious desires from your past and then choose someone who's emotionally healthy. Um, You know, you did fall in love with who you thought this partner could be based on what you really wanted which we sometimes call blinders or rose-colored glasses, and what they led you to believe. I often hear the words in my coaching or counseling center, if my spouse could only be who I met in the beginning, then our love would last forever. Remember that the emotional manipulator is charming, affectionate, giving, passionate, romantic, and almost perfect in the beginning of a relationship. Then around the 90-day to six-month period, although the deception could go on for a lot longer than that, there's small signs of emotional or physical abuse, fraud, addiction, narcissism, and sociopathic tendencies begin to emerge. And when that happens to you, it's very devastating. That did happen to me in my first marriage, and it uh, takes a long time to recover. Luckily, I have a very strong mindset for success in life and love. It's something I've been practicing and reading about since my teens. And I was able to recover within six months and started a business from scratch, which went to international recognition. And I can turn myself around quickly. If you haven't learned those skills, this is what we call the watch me mindset for success. That's what I teach my clients as well, to reinvent themselves, to be better, stronger, more loving, more open, more excited about life. So if you need that help, do reach out to me. Remember that this person's true character was hidden by brilliant emotional manipulation and lies. If you happen to have someone like that, that is very traumatic. When I did this research for my book, um, Martha Stout's book, The Sociopath Next Door, said one in 25 people were sociopathic with 86% being male. However, they're saying now it's more four out of five people out of 25 are sociopaths and sociopaths use people for pleasure or profit. So if you've been ever at the hand of a sociopath, I can tell you it's devastating and they usually go after nice, big hearted people, helpers of the world. (laughs) So addictions, cheating, lies, and sociopathic character flaws take a long time to fully emerge. It's important that people know that they've done their best to love their partner when certain that they've acted with integrity while their partner chose to live a light of deceit, they'll come to realization that this wasn't the love that they deserved, and that's when they deserve better. 
So the thing that you want to do is just become totally knowledgeable in what is emotionally healthy love so you know what to look for. And it becomes very clear what is toxic and what is emotionally healthy when you start dating. And then you can date with confidence and really enjoy the dating process at that point. Let's start talking about processing the pros and cons of should you stay or should you go. I want to compile a list that outlines the pros and cons of your relationship. You put one side, should I leave? And the other side is, should I go? Add to this list throughout the week as you're thinking about it. Keep coming back to this list and be very, very honest with yourself about your partner's positive traits and their negative traits. And then discuss this list with your coach. Obviously, they are going to have good traits because you wouldn't have fallen in love with them. You wouldn't have married them. But again, when there's more toxic than good, this is when most people choose to leave. Let's go into should I leave? Let's cover that. Did you ever say in a relationship much too long, hoping and praying it would work and doing anything in your power to try to make it work? Many people make the mistake of staying in a toxic, dysfunctional relationship far too long. After asking my clients, can you see living another 20, 30, or 40 years like this? Most of them say, absolutely not. (laughs) And then they realize they must take steps to end it. That question is very profound. Honor yourself by seeing the truth in your partner's actions. Observe clearly like a third person. There's this third person watching you to interact, this little guy in your shoulder. Really watch with that outside eye how they are. Observe clearly how they treat you and put this on your list. Many people continually choose not to see the dysfunction of their partner then complain that they feel so unhappy. Ask yourself how you're feeling. Are you anxious, exhausted, depressed, angry, or have resentment? If so, then they're not the right partner for you. If you keep making excuses for that person who doesn't treat you well, you're only delaying the inevitable and staying stuck in this toxic negative cycle. And this is not what life is about. If you choose to stay with a toxic partner, your lack of happiness will remain your fault. Ask yourself, how are things working out for me? If the response is terrible, then you have a choice. Stay and hope for change, but there's a slim chance if you've already done everything you could do or start a plan to change your life and find healthy love. When I'm working with people that are in the toxic relationship, I ask them, what does your desired life look like? And right in our module two of our program, we start designing the life that they desire. We start right away going into what is that desired plan look like? They do start believing, yes, I want to do this. So we get a plan together as they are planning their departure from this relationship. What are the deal breakers when you decide to leave the relationship? You have to know what your deal breakers are. Will you not stand for? Constant lies and deceit, destroying your trust and feeling of safety in your relationship. They repeatedly make impulsive choices that hurt and disappoint you. If they apologize and promise not to repeat the actions, they may comply for only a brief period. Most likely the actions are repeated and will continue. If that person comes from childhood trauma and has done nothing to heal and solve those issues, then this is a character flaw and it will normally reoccur. Three, he's physically abusive. The behavior often escalates with time and it rarely stops. You never feel safe or secure. You live in fear of his random temper tantrums and explosions. If someone has poor mood management and they've done nothing to take care of it, that simply does not go away. You've got to get out of the line of fire. 
Next, he's verbally abusive, humiliating you by name calling or constantly putting you down, which most awfully happens in private while in public, he looks like this amazing person, right? And then you tell people, oh, he verbally abuses me and they think you're crazy. Does he yell and blame you for everything, especially his mistakes? Do you feel unloved and worthless because of cutting words? Five, their behavior is psychologically abusive and controlling and often accompanied by bouts of extreme jealousy or use of emotional manipulation. You feel constantly frustrated at the inability to express your needs without them having temper tantrums, explosions, blames, or put downs. He distorts your words, making you sound irrational, resulting in the need to defend or explain yourself. And that's not normal, guys. That is abuse. Would you have a sense of calm and relief if the relationship were to suddenly end? You really don't like them as a person. They're a turnoff to you and you hate to be around them because they're mean-spirited. He shows no respect for your needs, desires, or wants. Now, there's a few more of reasons why you should go, but we have to go to a fast break. So hang tight and we are going to finish this off and then go into the five love languages. You are listening to BBM Global Network and the show Lessons in Life and Love. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash Rihanna and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a free title and start listening today. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash Rihanna and get started. Why Audible? Well, Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. To download your free audiobook today, just go to audibletrial.com forward slash Rihanna and enjoy your free audiobook. We're back. This is your Global Life and Love Coach, Rihanna Milne, bringing you lessons in life and love on BBM Global Network. We are discussing should you go and some of the deal breakers that when it gets this bad, in my advice, you should probably go if he does not seek help. He expects you to pay more than your fair share financially and worse yet, they'll move in and contribute little. But there's a lot to say about how you spend your money that you're earning. He may take over your parenting role or try to pit your children against you, making you look like the bad guy. Believe your children if they tell you that your man is abusing them in any way. Children rarely make up such stories and it takes them a long time to come forward with their fears. Now, I do know of this working in the schools. I worked with every grade level kindergarten through college they don't make this stuff up so if they come to you with any stories that they're being touched in a bad way please believe them and get that guy out of the house nine the thought of making love to your partner is repulsive to you sex again is often the last thing to go so if you cannot conceive of sharing your body with him then your relationship is over Angry, manipulative men often withhold sex or make you feel undesirable as a control move. 10. You set a boundary with him concerning a particular negative behavior or an addiction. 
they may stop for a while, but if it's ignored and they keep coming back to the addiction, you may feel there's no recourse but separation and divorce. Normally, it takes that kind of mood for someone to take it seriously and get real help about their addiction. You have to move out or break up the relationship. He's in denial about the addiction, refuses to seek help. It becomes an ongoing problem, causing you tons of stress, and there's a lot of deceit around it. Twelve, he constantly criticizes you, your weight or what you're wearing or how much you eat. Many women develop anorexia, bulimia, or digestive disorders because of controlling perfectionistic man. These manipulative men bully or pick on their women because they themselves have low self-esteem and out-of-control lives or some addiction themselves. 13, both of you feel there's nothing left in common and sharing time together is awkward. You prefer to be alone rather with him. The anxiety you experience around him contributes to your feeling physically and emotionally sick. 14, after a therapeutic separation, you enjoy your peaceful, calm, new life alone without your toxic partner. At that point, you probably think, nah, I don't think I'll go back. 15, the relationship is over. It has been an emotional, sexual, or internet affair that he refuses to stop. The partner blames everyone else and never takes responsibility for his actions or for your pain. Then these selfish actions are bound to be repeated. 16, he makes a move out of state or signs a one-year lease at an apartment, causing a sudden separation, buys an expensive item or makes any other kind of power move without consulting you. These actions reflect deep-rooted, immature, and selfish tendencies common to a narcissistic personality type. For women, it would be called histrionic. Your needs or feelings are not important to your partner. And last, they tell you they're in love with someone else. When it gets to that point, they're rarely going back to you. Unless that partner screws them over, then really do you want them back? I would say no. (laughs) Okay, should you stay? Here are some reasons why you might want to stay even if there's a lot of problems identified. One, you truly have a lot of fun together. You share mutual, enjoyable activity that brings great pleasure to you, such as dancing or camping, playing golf together or travel. Two, is your partner kind and quick to ask for forgiveness? Did they make a huge mistake but are really remorseful? and coming to you and asking sincerely for another chance and willing to do anything to get that chance. Are you still sexually attracted to them? Three, children and strong memories of family time together could be significant enough to keep you trying with your partner. Four, relationship rituals, places and activities you share on a regular basis are important and you look forward to doing them together. Five, is there open communication? If not, is a willingness there to work on these communications with a good relationship coach? Six, is there career support? Is your partner your best friend? Do they respect what you do at your work and you feel supported in that way versus complaining about the time you have to work? Seven, is dating and romance still a very important part of your relationship? Eight, despite the problems, are you both willing to forgive the past, commit together to making the relationship work? Do both partners cherish the friendship they have built as well as appreciate the many fine qualities of the relationship? Nine, would both partners be willing to compromise on several of their less positive behaviors? I go into several examples there. 10, after a therapeutic separation, each having tried dating, both partners are willing to communicate and compromise. They're willing to work through these issues together with a coach in hopes of achieving a more peaceful and loving relationship. 
11, if there's been an affair or continued lack of trust, did the toxic partner apologize, sincerely show remorse and ask for that other chance? Are both partners committed and doing anything necessary to trust each other again? If the hurt, anger, pain, and fear subside after several months and forgiveness still remains, this relationship may endure. If you love them, give them another chance. It could lead to your best relationship ever. Now, I call that a spiritual forgiveness. Spiritual people realize that people are human. They recognize their faults that took part in the relationship that may have led to the affair. They look at it openly and honestly, and they may give one more chance if that partner is sincerely remorseful and wants to work on things. However, if it's a repeat, second time is usually that's a done deal. Okay. Many partners choose to stay together because of the children or they can't afford to leave and manage financially on their own. Staying together for these reasons alone usually do not work and become very toxic relationships and you just don't feel happy. Okay. Reset your goals and dreams together for your future. You're willing to do that. Suggest coaching for both of you both should go individually and also then as a couple once the initial things are worked through. For example, and I have very toxic couples that are fighting constantly, I suggest they both do individual coaching because there are love and family traumas that have come up and they are not being healed. And those coping mechanisms and survival strategies from their past childhood continue to get in the way of the relationship. They have to be dealt with and healed first. Each individual needs to become more stronger, more successful, calmer, have mood management before getting back together as a couple. I say you've got to work on yourself before we can work on you two as a couple. Is there enough love and both want to rectify the problems? Then both should commit to the coaching. If one or both partners don't care, refuse to go to coaching, or one suddenly decides to leave the relationship, then the separation begins. It doesn't necessarily mean the relationship is over and the love is gone, but it does mean coaching should start immediately for both partners. If love endures, time will heal the wounds for both partners if they refuse to keep going back to their past and bringing up old issues and old blaming behavior. If you still love that partner, take your time to decide on a divorce and see if their feelings can be turned around. Some partners run away then realize after a few months that they really do love you and want you back. But delaying a divorce from a toxic partner can lengthen your misery and time to heal. They're very toxic. Don't wait. Ask yourself, do I really want him back? Guidelines for healing. Uh, There's seven stages of grief. One usually goes through most of these seven. The first is shock, disbelief, denial, or emotional numbness, unpredictable crying. That's especially if you find out that your partner was cheating. Two, emotional pain and guilt, bargaining to get the toxic partner back, blaming yourself for the reasons. Three, anger, blaming of the partner, hostility, and ruminating on the partner's faults. Fourth stage, depression, sadness, hopelessness, and social isolation. Five, upward turn of emotions, starting to have days of happiness, hope, and creativity. Six, accepting that the relationship is over, hoping and planning now for your better future. 
and seven, reconstruction and reinvention of oneself, goals made and acquired for growth and change in all life areas. And again, this is much quicker and easier to do when you have a life and love coach helping you through this process. Forgiveness is essential. It's the highest spiritual concept out there. Sometimes you feel it's hard to forgive someone who's deeply hurt you with lies, cheating, or deception. Yet you must find the strength to forgive for your relationship to have a chance. It's hardest to forgive someone who hasn't sincerely apologized to you for grave misconduct. And that inability to apologize is a strong sign of arrogance, narcissism, weakness of character, and is a definite sign of sociopathy. As I tell my clients, I can identify a sociopath very quickly now. Don't wait for them to apologize. They won't. They don't have it in them. That's how mentally ill that they are. You still might want to offer your forgiveness to help your own healing process. Remember, forgiveness doesn't mean in any way the exception of the deception that they did to you. But forgiveness releases you from the anger and the negativity that keeps the painful emotions intact. First, to forgive may help your partner realize the extent of your love and understanding and allow him to apologize one day, perhaps with dignity and love. Be kind and loving when you tell your partner that you feel it's best for you to move on with your life and that the relationship is over for you. Wish them much happiness and apologize for any infractions of your own, as this will help both of you to find closure. Show them respect to acknowledge that there had been some genuine love felt for them and sorrow any harm cause this will help you both move on in love and peace if there are a lot of reasons to stay on your list then you'll have a hard time trying to duplicate your depth of feelings for your spouse with another all marriages and relationships do encounter hard times and emotional pain so you have to know how to work through them if you need help get a coach immediately don't wait true love is hard to find and it's worth fighting for if there's enough good things on that list if there are more reasons to stay than reasons to leave except for physical and emotional abuses consider going to a relationship coach and rebuild your love relationship into something better than you both have experienced before must say working with my couples that is what happens because we do the childhood trauma work so they no longer bring those toxic patterns into the relationship the bottom line is if that all the problems in the relationship were gone and you still felt some degree of love attraction and a new form of trust would you want to stay if you said yes and the relationship is usually too good to leave at that point and if you both want to work on it both ready to admit your faults and responsibilities, both extend apologies and forgiveness and agree to get coaching, discuss your mistakes made and not keep blaming the other partner said, well, I did this and they did that. You've got to get away from that pattern and correct a history of negative traits and hang in there and give it more time. But get real relationship coaching with a trauma professional. If the answer is no and you're too concerned about the history of the relationship, relationship or your partner's toxic behaviors, ongoing addiction and the toxic personality type, or you feel sick inside and constant anxiety, then the relationship is too dysfunctional to stay in it. You'll be happier if you leave. Exit with a final statement, as I tell my people to say, goodbye, good luck, and God bless. I hope that helps you clarify that topic was requested from me to a couple of my ladies in my coaching program that I cover that tonight. 
be honest with you as you're making your list to decide whether to stay or go. Now we're going to go into the five love languages, how to express heartfelt commitment to your mate by Gary Chapman. Of course, this has been a New York Times bestseller and is written from a spiritual point of view. Gary feels that if you understand your partner's love language, then you have a great tool to keep your relationship happy over a long period of time or to repair it if you don't understand each other's love languages. I'll go into this briefly and hopefully that will give you some insight. Honestly, when I read this book, I'm like, I like all of these. Why do I only have to pick one? Because here's the five love languages. Hearing words of affirmation, like compliments and nice things, having quality time with your partner, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. Now, who doesn't want all five of those, right? He gives a little quiz in the back to identify what your top love language is. He says the majority of men put physical touch. Yeah, I want sex. But he says that's not always what the most prominent trait is. So let me go a little bit more into this. There's basically five ways that people speak and understand emotional love. The important thing is to speak the love language of your partner. We have long known that in early childhood development, each child develops unique emotional patterns. The example is a develop a pattern of low self-esteem, whereas other have healthy self-esteem. Some develop emotional patterns of insecurity where others grow up feeling secure. Some kids grow up feeling loved, wanted, and appreciated, yet others grow up feeling unloved, unwanted, and unappreciated. The children who feel loved by their parents and peers will develop a primary emotional love language based on their unique psychological makeup, the way their parents and other significant persons expressed love to them but they will always feel most comfortable with their primary language even though they develop a second language which they call bilingual children who do not feel loved by their parents and peers who have more childhood traumas will also develop a primary love language but it may be somewhat distorted the poor programming does not mean they cannot become good communicators, but it does mean they will have to work at it more diligently than those who have had a positive model. Now, of course, we know from my childhood trauma research that 90% of people have had at least one to three childhood traumas of the 10 that I go over in my free ebook at havetheloveyoudeserve.com. If you have not seen that or heard anything about the childhood trauma checklist, make sure you hear the podcast where I hit on that and get my free ebook. Again, that's at havetheloveydeserve.com. Children who grow up with an underdeveloped sense of emotional love can also come to feel loved and communicate love, but they'll have to work at it more harder than those who grew up in a healthy, loving atmosphere. Seldom do a husband and wife have the same primary emotional language. We become confused when our spouse does not understand what we are communicating. We're expressing our love in the way we know how, but the message does not come through because we're speaking as a foreign language. Therein lies a fundamental problem. Once we discover the five basic love languages, understand our own primary love language as well as a love language of our partner, the needed information to apply the ideas come easier. Once you identify and speak your partner's primary love language, he says you'll discover the key to a long-lasting loving marriage. In order to keep it alive for most of us, 
will have to put forth the effort to learn their secondary love language. We want them to feel the love we're trying to communicate and we must express it in their language. Okay, so let's go deeper into the five. Again, their words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. Almost anything of it is positive is words of affirmation. If you say something, how they look good, how smart they are, what a hard worker you are, when you express appreciation for the things that they do, make positive comments about taking time with the kids when they tell me that they love me. All of these things mean a lot. These are verbal affirmations. Did you receive those kinds of comments from your parents when you were growing up? Now, a man will crave these when he did not hear this from his parents. He will want those verbal accolades. If they grew up with parents who were very critical or demanding, hearing positive words for the partner, they will feel very loved. Most men assume that the physical touch is their primary love language because they desire sexual intercourse so intensely. The male's desire has, of course, physical root. The sexual problems in marriage have little to do with the physical technique, but everything to do with meeting the emotional needs of their partner. For the female, sexual desire is rooted in her emotions, not in her physiology of her body. Her desire is emotionally based. If she feels loved and admired and appreciated by her partner, then she has desire to be physically intimate with them. But without the emotional closeness, she may have little physical desire because the male is physically pushed into having sexual release on somewhat of a regular basis. He may automatically assume that that's his primary love language. But if he does not enjoy physical touch at other times, like holding hands, hugs, giving your partner kisses, that may not be his love language at all. Sexual desire is very different from the emotional need needs to feel loved. So you can't confuse the two. Sexual intercourse alone will not meet his need to feel love. The wife must still speak primary emotional love language as well. Uh, What is your primary love language? How do you feel loved by your partner? A lot of women want quality time, right? Here, give an example how the woman says, all he does is sit and watch TV. We rarely go out on dates. He barely speaks to me. This is a woman that wants quality time. Without getting it, she feels very disconnected from her partner and will not feel sexual towards him. This is why I was saying earlier from my book, men, you have to keep up the dating rituals and the affection. That's very common women's love language. If he doesn't do anything around the house and she's doing all the cooking, the cleaning, fixing things, and he barely does anything and she's upset about this, that's acts of service. She wants somebody to help her. If she's busy at work and she doesn't have help and then she's stuck doing all these things, she's going to feel very resentful. Receiving gifts is a way you might feel loved. I remember as a kid, when I got birthday gifts, I was allowed to keep one and the rest had to go into the birthday closet, which I had to then re-gift to other kids. And it was horribly embarrassing. So it's funny, even my kids say, oh, my mom loves gifts, right? Because that makes me feel loved and it's something I'm allowed to keep, right? That was one of my childhood traumas. Um, So, you know, giving gifts and receiving gifts is important to me. But of course, I love compliments. And that's why I said I like all of these. Um, But I don't I I guess I have to do the quiz to find out what my primary one is. Uh, 
you know, what does another way to discover your own primary love language is ask yourself, what does your spouse do or fail to do that hurts you most deeply? The opposite of what hurts you most is probably your love language. Or what have you most requested of your spouse? Like, can't we spend quality time together? Can't we go do something fun? If you keep saying that to your partner, then you want quality time. And it would make you feel loved if they schedule that out with you. In what way do you regularly express love to your spouse? The way you express love is an indicator that's what you want back to feel loved. Knowing this in your partner fills your emotional tank and keeps you feeling loved and happy in the relationship. Um, Again, it goes into trying to identify even further what your love language is. In a summary, they say your primary love language is the one that received the highest score on the test. If you're bilingual, you have two primary love language. And that simply means that both expressions of loves are important to you. But don't miss out the other love languages as insignificant. Your husband may express love in those ways, and it will be helpful for you to understand this about him. It will benefit your husband to know your love language and express his affection for you in ways that you interpret as love. Every time you or your husband speak each other's language, you score emotional points with one another. The payoff of speaking each other's love language is a greater sense of connection. This translates into better communication, increased understanding, and ultimately improved romance. Five love languages are words of affirmation, compliments, saying I love you, being less critical in your words, being complimentary, and affirming and seeing their acts of service. Quality time, this is usually a big one for women, or two busy individuals to keep them connected. Date time is essential. Receiving gifts, this might be someone that did not get gifts as a child or many gifts to sign of love or just the opposite. If parents showed love by giving gifts, and this is what that child grew up to saying, you know, when I get a gift from you, that makes me feel loved. Don't forget my birthday or Valentine's Day, right? Acts of service and physical touch. Let's go into the last lesson here. Your life holds a limited potential. You have the ability to attain whatever you seek. Within you is every potential you can imagine. Always aim higher than you believe you can reach. So often you'll discover that when your talents are set free by your imagination, you can achieve any goal. If people offer their help or wisdom as you go through life, accept it gratefully. You can learn much from those who have gone before you. Your life holds amazing, amazing potential. And if somebody is holding you back from the life that you desire and the love that you deserve and you need help getting out of something toxic, do contact me. If you go to rihannamilne.com for only $47, it covers my assessments. It's a $500 value and you will learn to understand what is keeping you stuck. Next week is our last show, May 20th. We are covering positivity and life and love, teaching from Ernest Holmes in the Course of Miracles and the Watch Me Mindset for Success. That's it, love angels 
and Transformers. I appreciate you sharing the love and helping me change the way the world loves. Please take a moment to give me a five-star rating and comment on what you liked about the show and what you want to learn in upcoming podcasts. Remember, you can reach out for help for me during the week. Remember to join me next Monday at 6 p.m. on BoldBraveMedia.com. And as always, I am here to help you have the life you desire and the love that you deserve. Have a blessed and fabulous week. We want to thank you for joining us on this episode of Lessons in Life and Love with Coach Rihanna Milne. Your personal journey of life and love transformation has only just begun. Go to RihannaMilne.com for more resources. And if you're really ready to take action to improve your life or love situation, apply now for a Life and Love Transformation Discovery Session with Rihanna, a $500 value. Just contact Rihanna with your questions and to tell her your story at RihannaMilne.com. And remember, it's time to have the life you desire and the love you deserve.